Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Track. At Track, our aim is to shine a light on the UK running club scene. This week on Track, we discuss the recent indoor race meets, including competitions in Manchester, France and New York, some of the latest athletic news from around the world, and we have an interview with exciting British marathon talent, Hayley Carruthers. As always, I'm joined by 15-minute 5K man George Beardmore, five-times marathon runner Kat Hutchison, and homeschool champion Robbie Campbell. How are we doing, guys? First things first, Robbie, how was your Valentine's Day? Um, it was pretty good, actually, yeah. So what did I do? Or what did we do, should I say? Went and had a good good run, obviously. Got my long run done on Saturday, so I only had 10 miles to do on Sunday. Sonny bought me a card with a running joke on it, which was nice. That's a highlight. Did you see the Citius Mag podcast sort of Valentine's Day card mock-ups that they did? No, I didn't, actually. Oh, we have to check those out. There were sort of different runners and different sort of quotes, sort of running-related Valentine's Day jokes. They were quite good. Yeah. George, how are you doing? Everything okay? Yeah, all good, thank you. Yeah, training well. Yeah, that's about it. Really not doing much, just lectures and training. Any sort of meaty sessions you can tell us about recently in the last week or so? Saturday, oh, so windy. Five by four minutes at like 10k pace, so five minute miling-ish. Um, then 10 40 second hill reps followed by a two mile tempo so that was quite a big one and yeah just hard work in the conditions and other than that did a 10 mile tempo run last thursday i think hill reps last tuesday so yeah then like big sessions in well three in space of five or six days so last time we talked george left for a half was still on or you were still kind of hoping it was going to be on. I, I, that's now in, is it not in April now? Is it being moved to? Yeah, it's definitely postponed until later in the spring. I'm not sure uh, how does that affect your kind of plans in your training? I mean, since since we went into lockdown, I've sort of been working off the assumption it wasn't going to happen anyway. So I'm still potentially doing a, a, a time trial at some point. The plan was a 10-mile time trial on that date, which is the 28th. And I've started to do a couple of like, faster Sunday long runs and stuff like that so maybe it might be worth kind of letting the new training approach I've had the last couple of weeks start to make an effect before doing a time trial but yeah we'll see just but yeah not not massively changed by that half marathon being cancelled because I pretty much assumed it was going to be anyway I think. Can you share the uh, target for the time trial? Five tens five tens a mile would be about right so that's what 51 30 51 40. Um, I think any quicker than that would be brilliant, but the half marathon game was 68-something, which is like 5.12, so okay. probably a little bit quicker than that. Before seeing that. How are you getting on, Kat? How's your training going? Yeah, it seems to be going well. Still just trying to do about 60 miles a week and trying to add in some sessions now. Did that little mini session down at the industrial estate doing did six five hundred and yeah, not bad. So hopefully can start doing some bigger sessions now maybe more miles and Robbie you've worn your you've christened the hokers haven't you christened them yeah wore them last week for uh the first session in a while feel feel quite nice even though I didn't really do them justice because I still feel a bit injured while I'm running them but yeah so there's no no sending them back now they're, they're out of the box and in rotation finish to say that actually so I was just looking at the city of smag cards I like the, uh, you're the Oka one. The Oka one for me, 
That's nice. Yeah, the card, the card Sonny gave me was uh, something along the lines of, because you run, you think you're so fit. If you're that fit, then run and make me a brew or something like that. So I'll put her on to these next year, the better. <laughs> nice. But the injury, Robbie, still there, just niggling away. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to take a bit of advice from uh, from from John Danahay on it because at the moment I'm kind of feeling really strong and putting the miles in. So I've done six weeks at 100k kind of continuously and feel really really strong on the on the kind of the long runs and, and still doing a lot of soft ground running. And then the minute I try and do a little bit of a session, like last week, it was only a, a really kind of mild tempo. So just kind of five. 50s 552s and then afterwards just pulled up and just just so sore just so sore for for days really so i don't know it's just a bit frustrating so i don't know everyone i I I may as well just kind of relax enjoy my running put miles in and just stay injury free so how's your training going anyway still going strong yeah going well thanks really into the marathon training now and um nine ten weeks away so doing some marathon focused sessions getting some good miles in Running a lot with um, Adam Hill. We're working well together. He's a team mountain road fella. So yeah, we're sort of hoping that it's on. We had a fairly positive email from the Wrexham organisers this week saying they're putting in a bit of a, um, a request to make the race sort of have proper elite status, which means it will go ahead even if other races don't go ahead. So as always, as they did last time, they're really trying to get it um, going. So yeah, the training as if it's happening. And then we'll see. I think it's uh, I think it's a one race where actually I think it will happen. To be honest, I think everything else you kind of can see it coming down the pipeline that it's gonna it's it's got no chance because of the organisation and, and and the kind of logistics. But I think yours has probably got the best chance of anything going on. Really, hasn't it? I suppose if it gets elite status, then it's 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 a definite goer, isn't it? Yeah, I would hope so. I, I would agree. I think it's probably the the most likely what that means. I don't know, but yeah. Talk, talk us talk us through your long run on Sunday with with poor old Adam that you dragged around the industrial estate. How many loops was that? Now Adam's a big fan of the industrial estate, so it's no no bother for him. What did we do? We did twenty miles in total around around our loop. So I think it was 10, 10 loops because we did the extended loop. Oh, okay, that's not, that's that's proper Valentine's Day stuff, isn't it? Yeah, we had a good time together. Seven o'clock on Sunday morning. So yeah. nice. Talking of races going ahead, guys. As we said in the beginning, there's a few that have happened in the last week in the indoor circuit. So I think we'll jump straight into those. We'll give you a bit of an overview and, and highlight some of the major runs, particularly from those British runners who are involved. Um, so we're going to go through a few of them. Robbie, you're going to take the first one, which was the, the Prickly Pear Invitational. Yeah, so this was um, this is actually not an indoor, one of the few kind of outdoor um, track events over in the States. Basically, Bowerman Track Club put on a event at an undisclosed location in Phoenix, Arizona. And basically the reason they put that on is purely because so many of their athletes were struggling to get races because of cancellations, etc. So kind of late in the day, the week before, they put this together and released the kind of details, obviously, across the states and kind of encouraged athletes to travel to it. So it's like the season open for most athletes, just purely because they didn't have the chance to kind of compete elsewhere the UK had one runner, Mark Scott, who did the 3,000 metres and um, absolutely stole the show again. So 
I mean, we're so used to Mark Scott kind of breaking records and running at the top of his game. But for me, it's almost kind of even more special to see him doing it in the States on an American track, kind of beating the the best American runners. So he, 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 he ran in a field with the likes of Grant Fisher, Sean McGorty, Joe Klecker, Morgan McDonald, um, even Jager, Woody Kincaid, uh, Brian Baratza. Um, in the 3,000 metres, and he won in a PB of 7.36.08 and just looked, as always, just unbelievably strong. He basically just kind of laid it down in the last two laps, closing in kind of 54. We kind of went to the bow, and uh, there was only really one one winner after that. So absolutely superb to see him kind of dominate in that kind of field. Puts him on to fourth on the on the all time UK three thousand list, um, behind Mo Farah, uh, Dave Moorcroft, and also Brendan Foster. I mean, just to kind of note, really, on the on the on the coverage um, on the event as well. I know we all kind of like a, a good bit of coverage and a and a YouTube channel, but um, you couldn't kind of move for kind of YouTube filmers there, um, which all kind of produce good videos. So you had the so. So the, so the initial actual race was broadcast on Runner Space, um, kind of live, so like really kind of professionally done live stream with the commentary and, and then follow-ups to that, um, which are worth kind of looking at. And Morgan McDonald, the Australian runner, his YouTube channel. Um, and then also Tim Manalitz has released a video kind of building up to it just because two of their runners kind of competed. So it kind of followed their fortunes and their build-up and, and kind of what it's like to race at the moment in terms of their kind of preparation, etc. So, but yeah, just what I mean, superb, just brilliant from Mark Scott again, um, and just kind of bodes well for the season. Brilliant. And as you say, to close in 54 and to sort of win that convincingly in that sort of field was was great to see. Okay, thanks, Robbie. Um, I'll take you through the World Indoor Tour second fixture, which was held in France. This was the second stop on the World Indoor Tour Gold Series, and it was quite an exciting meet. I know we all sat down to watch it. It had a world record, a European record, lots of meeting records, and also a number of national records. So really good indoor event to watch. Um, it was on the BBC, red button, so that was good. In terms of some of the highlights, we had Gemma Riki and Keely Hodgkinson in the women's 800 metres. Gemma Riki's first race since the Doha Diamond League last September. What happened was Keely, uh, fresh off a 159 world under 20 record last weekend, she ran 201.71 to come second behind Riki, who won in two minutes 64. Um, so that was good to watch. In the men's 800 metres, Elliot Giles managed the early pace well. And he sort of continued his great year and uh, had a comfortable 145.49 to win by over a second. Um, in the B race for the men's 800, uh, we had Guy Learmouth in fifth and Kyle Langford in seventh. Um, Guy Learmouth ran 147 and Langford ran 148. Always great to see the Ingebrigtsens run. I know we're, we're big fans of watching the Ingebrigtsens. Uh, Jakob, another special performance for him in the 1500 metres, mostly front running from the start. Um, and he ran an incredible 331.8, uh, which is five seconds ahead of the second finisher in a 1,500-metre race. So that was pretty phenomenal to watch, and he just continues to turn into more and more of a superstar. Talking of incredible races, we also saw in the men's 3,000 metres, um, Ethiopia's 
uh, Wale ran 7.24, which is just a shade off Daniel Komen's world record. So that was another great race. But probably the biggest headline was the world record of the night, and that was in the women's 1500 metres. And Ethiopia's Segai did an amazing race, went off with the pacemakers, um, and the commentators were saying the pacemakers have gone off too fast. This is a ridiculous pace, etc., etc. Um, and Segai actually went past one of them at one point. She went through 800 and 205, um, and then she actually uh, ran a 353.09 for a world record. Um, in the same race, Laura Muir ran a British indoor record of 359.58, and she finished second, uh, but she was a long way behind Segai. So a really good, exciting indoor meet to watch. Great that it was on the BBC red button and some really amazing performances. Great to have so many top athletes in, in the one place. Other indoor races we've seen, uh, you're going to take us through this one, George, the New Balance Indoor Grand Prix? Yeah, so this was the next round of the, the World Indoor Tour uh, in New York, I believe. Yeah, a number of strong results from Brits. In the men's 800, Jamie Webb finished second to, to Donovan Brazier. Uh, Webb ran an indoor PB of 146.26. Uh, Brazier around 141.21, which was a US record. And I believe he'd been self-isolating for like five days in the run-up with COVID exposure. So not bad off very little training. I mean, the women's 800, it was a very impressive performance from Izzy Boffy. Uh, she ran indoor PB of 202.45 for, for third place in that race. And Adele Tracy, another Brit, was seventh in 204.28. Um, in the men's 1K, Charlie Deval Grice ran a, a British record, uh, 217.2, and he was third behind Bryce Hopple and Marco Arop. And Bryce Hopple broke the US record with a, a time of 216.27. In the men's 1500, Jake Whiteman. Came second with a time of 3.34.48, which was probably not the win that he, the win and the time he was hoping for, um, having run under 3.30 outdoors last year, but it was a British record nonetheless. And Whiteman was beaten by a very impressive performance from Oliver Hoare, who I'm not sure I'd heard of before, but he ran an Australian record of 3.32.35 and looked very, very strong in the closing stages. Um, and in that same race, British under-20 Thomas Keane of Cambridge ran 3.46.4. Uh, so great experience for an under-20 in a field of that quality to, to, to go to a meet of that standard. In the women's two miles, Amy Louise Markov uh, ran a, a PB of 9.30.69 uh, to finish seventh in that race. She went through the 3,000 metres in a PB of 8.54.11. So clearly in very good shape because she's breaking a 3k pb in a two mile race and in that same race there were some very impressive performances from americans el purier and emma coburn who both ran under jenny simpson's us record 910 for purier and 915 for coburn and they both look but look very good in that race um, and then not from this meet but other results from the weekend just gone that are definitely worth mentioning uh yusuf bizimana who got a bronze medal at the British outdoor champ, 100 metres last summer. He ran a 357.81 mile indoors in, in Arkansas in his first appearance at the University of Texas. 
Um, he also ran a, a 253 1200 in the distance medley relay at the same meet. So pretty impressive day for him. And Elliot Giles carried on his amazing form with a 1500-meter PB of 336.9. Uh, that was an indoor meet in France on the 14th of February. And that was to finish third behind Getnet Wale and Lemetra Germa. So another very impressive performance from Elliot Giles. Kat, you're going to take the next one for us? On Saturday, we had the Brigham Sports Invitational in Manchester. It was organised by Vicente Madal, who's Amy Pratt's coach. There are lots of PBs and lots of European Indoor Championship qualifying times. I interviewed Verity Ockenden earlier in the week in the lead-up to space, so I was particularly interested in the 3,000 metres, and it was a great race. Amy, there was Amy Pratt and Charlotte Arter in the race too, and it was like a dream race watching it from Verity Ockenden's point of view. She was sat sat in third for a lot of it, just sitting on Charlotte Arter's shoulder, and as Amy Pratt sort of pulled away at the front, she went round Charlotte Arter, stayed with Amy Pratt. It was, I was thinking this is, you know, it's looking good for her, and then. Towards the last few laps, she went past Amy Pratt and just accelerated away. By the end of it, I think, well, she finished in 8.51.63 and Charlotte Arter came in at 9.00.78. So there was a massive gap by the end of it. It was really, really exciting to watch. Yeah, and as you say, Kat, you, you interviewed Verity Ockenden a couple of days before and that will be on... An episode in in the next few weeks so nice to get an insight for an athlete ahead of a race how much of the race win was down to you do you reckon then Kat seeing as you um you interviewed her just before yeah yeah I'd like to think I think quite a big part of that was down to me yeah I think so (laughs) we we had a good chat about pre-race songs and um she updated me today on what she chose which was which is good to hear all right can you give us a Give us a sneak preview. She chose Gwen Stefani, Harajuku Girl. But I did notice when she was racing, they were playing some music and it was really bad. Like it was the sort of stuff that you wouldn't even get you going on a Sunday long run. It was like, it, it was not the sort of stuff you want to race to. Did you disclose, Kat, to her that you ran a marathon with the same song yeah. going over and over again? <laughs> Yeah, I did. Uh, she actually said good choices. Some so I, I didn't. I didn't confess to her about Miley Cyrus. That's good. Well, that's a good interview to look forward to. Whilst we're on interviews, um, a couple more to look forward to. So obviously we've got Haley Carruthers coming after this. Robbie, you sat down with Jack Gray a week or so ago, so that will be coming up soon. We've obviously got Verity Ockenden and Christina Boxer as well. So a couple of exciting interviews coming up. Let's move on to the Monaco 5K. Well, we'll just spend a bit of time on this just because it was quite a big event. Um, it was hyped that Joshua Cheptegei was going back to Monaco to run another 5K where he'd set his road record. In fact, Joshua Cheptegei did win the race. Um, he ran 13.14. Um, so although built up and anticipated for another world record attempt, um, quite a slow first K made it pretty improbable from the start. It did seem fairly windy and the commentators were actually mentioning how windy it was on the day um, in the women's however 
having said that, we saw Beatrice Chepkowicz finish over a minute ahead of second place. And she did um, run a world record of 14.43. And she came in ahead of Meraf Barta and Alice Finot. It was, uh, like you say, I mean, it was kind of built up with uh, thinking that Chepkowicz was just going to kind of do what Chepkowicz does and break his own record. But it kind of fizzled out pretty early on. It was pretty obvious he was just going to kind of win, but in a moderate time compared to kind of what he ran last year. Um, obviously, all the excitement was with uh, with, with, with Chepkowicz. Absolutely, well, superb run, another world record. So, and Paula Radcliffe was talking about how how, how difficult the conditions were. I don't I don't know if any of you saw it. Bizarre kind of. Obviously, it wasn't. It wasn't the. I don't know whose fault it would have been with the film, and I suppose it would have been kind of international kind of live streaming going to all the different stations. Um, but the men's race finished and then the camera, the lead camera on the women's race kind of was on the wrong person. So somehow Chepkowicz had gone under the radar and they were, they were, they were following Meref Batter, who finished in second, who didn't look like she was moving very fast. I mean, she ran 15.46, but... She didn't look like a lead woman in the race. She was almost telling the cameraman that they were on the wrong person. And then they switched back to Chepkowicz literally as she was as she was breaking the tape, really. So, I mean, I know we've talked a lot about equality and running in, you know, but I think this is kind of one area sometimes you see the coverage just lacking. Would that have happened in a man's race? I'm not sure, really. So it was really disappointing that Chepkowicz didn't get the kind of last two minutes of her kind of effort documented properly and it would have been quite an exciting uh, exciting finale because she obviously just only just broke it by a couple of seconds as well so looking into her past and a, and a few of her old races and stuff she, can you remember when she missed the water jump in the steeplechase at the world championships in london and she went round the wrong side and okay. she was, i think she was, i think she was favorite for that favorite for that race and she was kind of ni- nicely in control and she just missed the jump and had to go back. And obviously that kind of did it really. So, um, but apart from that, I mean, she's got, she's she, I mean, she's got, that's the second world record. So she does actually hold the world record for the 3000 meter steeplechase. So that's kind of her thing. Also one kind of world championships, gold medal in Doha in 2019 in the steeple. Good to see. I don't know if you all saw it, what you thought. I would uh, echo those thoughts about the live stream. I wasn't particularly impressed that the motorbike camera was really bumpy as well up and down you thought you could find something a bit more to sort of keep that a bit smoother um the course as well seemed strange it looked like they were running through a building site at various points it seemed uh, very narrow path sort of course something built for a world record it didn't i don't know it didn't quite look right to me but um, they changed it didn't they, they did, it was a different course to last year i think for some reason I couldn't quite follow what they were saying. They, they, they changed it late or they, they'd had to kind of make an amendment to it or something. I'm not sure. What did you think, George? Did you watch it? Yeah, yeah, I watched it. It was yeah, a bit of a, as you say, the coverage wasn't wasn't great. And it was a bit weird how Chapter Guy seemed to find it quite difficult to to shake Bergen and Kiblanga off. Obviously, they're very good runners, but it was built up as this Chapter Guy world record attempt and you know he ended up uh, struggling to win 20 seconds slower than his world record but still a a very impressive run but yeah their coverage it's it i mean it, it happens a lot it's not just road races but i think it was one of the indoor tours as well where 
we missed like most of the men's 1500s could be they were filming some guy on the runway in the long jump i'm not sure if you saw that i remember seeing that i think it was ingebrigtsen's race um and i think the director's cut to this triple jump or long jump thinking he was about to go i mean he didn't go so he was just stood watching him for 30 seconds and then by the time they cut back to the 1500 it was like nearly done so it's good that these things are finally getting on tv they've not been on yeah that it's good that they're on but sometimes i feel like the coverage is pretty naff if you're uh if you're tuning in to watch the triple jump because that's your event then you'd be annoyed if they never show it live and they're always just focusing on the track so i get that they want to show it live rather than just showing like it reruns of it from a couple of minutes ago he then just stood there for 30 seconds and we missed the, the 15. Yeah, if they split screened it, then yeah, it would have seems to make a lot more sense. I'm going to put my neck on the line here. How many people do you think tune in to watch the, the triple jump? How many people do you think kind of build up to it all day and get on the group chat with other triple jumpers and then like kind of put everything on the line to kind of tune in for that? I mean, they are good to, and obviously like. Other field events, I mean, Duplantis is one of the, the biggest stars. So I get that they yeah, they want to show them, they want to show them live. And I imagine that whoever was directing this probably regretted cutting to the triple jump when he did, but then didn't want to back out. He had just kind of got himself stuck until he jumped. But yeah, we very nearly missed the end of 1500, which would have been really not. And Even in like the 5,000 5, and like the 10,000, it's like the nuances of the, of, of the race it's so important isn't it to like sit and watch it and you can't you know to, to kind of see how see the tactics because sometimes they'll cut even from the five thousand even the ten thousand they'll cut away and they'll show a, a field event and then they come back and everything's changed and somebody you know somebody's made a move or certain you just can't kind of explain kind of what's happened and i don't know it's a bit like uh it'd be a bit like missing kind of an important part of it they sit like 60th to 70th minute of a football match or something like that and kind of coming back into it and not knowing what's going on. Because but... I think the first team I'd seen, the first time I'd seen split screens used properly was the US marathon trials. Because normally in a, a major marathon or something, they show the women's race and then they cut back to the men's race and you've missed an important moment. Whereas the, for the first time, they actually use split screens properly and showed both races at the same time. But I don't see why they find it so difficult to do. I, I reckon I'll be using it for the break dancing at the Olympics, George. <laughs> <laughs> there split screens all over the place for that. Mm, yeah, I won't get started on that again. <laughs> George is still fuming about the break dancing. Don't get George started on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> still can't you still can't get my head around it. The last race result is Quite a good one. On the 23rd of January, uh, the women's park run world record was broken. Um, the world record was previously held by Sockney athlete Charlotte Arter, um, but it's now been taken by Scottish-born athlete Lauren Reed. And this actually happened at the Parramatta Park Run in Greater Western Sydney in Australia, where park runs are actually happening still, or at least in parts of Australia. A course which is not completely flat, Reed knocked four seconds off Arter's record, and she clocked 15.45 for a new women's park run world record. So there we are. 
And um, actually, Charlotte Art was asked about it and she was quite gracious, said records are there to be broken, but she's looking forward to getting back out and, and having another bash of it herself. Quite a nice sort of bunch of race results there. Probably the first proper batch we've had in a long time. So let's move on to the news. Just going to whiz through this, I think. Uh, a couple of stories that have caught our eye. There's been quite a, a large push and quite a lot of publicity about the Welsh athletics campaign to get athletic tracks reopen. So there's been a lot of talk about how athletes, particularly elite athletes, are suffering as they're not able to train on specialist facilities. So it's a big push for that um, to happen. So we'll see what happens there. And we have also saw at sort of the world level, the Tokyo Olympics chief steps down over a sexism row after comments he made related to, I think, females in the boardroom and perhaps suggesting meetings go on too long where there are females involved in, in the discussions. He, he originally said that he wasn't going to step down or resign, um, but he has now actually stepped down. I suppose that what we will spend a bit of time on, seen some uh, race start lists for the European Indoor Selection Trials, which are going to be held across multiple venues on the 20th of Feb and 21st of Feb. So European Indoor Selection Trials. Um, a few nice looking fields there. They've got particularly the 3000 metre field looks really good. We've got Jenny Nesbitt and obviously Verity Ockenden, two interviews we've already done. Also Melissa Courtney Bryant, Rosie Clark. It's also got Amy Pratt and Amelia Quirk, two others that I'd quite like to interview sometime soon. Um, so that's really hoping there's some coverage of this. That sounds like it's going to be a great race. And also the 800 metre women's race looks really good. Only three, only three runners, but Keely Hodgkinson, Isabel Boffy and Ellie Baker looks like it'll be a, a good one. And yeah, pretty much all the fields are just really, really interesting. Should be some really good racing. Um, I haven't heard anything about coverage yet, but hopefully there is something. Yeah. George, what, what races have caught your eye based on the start list? The men's eight looks particularly strong. Um, Elliot Giles is obviously running really well. Jamie Webb ran well as well. And then a couple of youngsters in there, Ben Patterson, Alex Bottrell. Seems to be quite a few youngsters in a lot of the races, actually. Tom Keane's in the men's 1500s. So, yeah, lots to yeah. watch out for. And hopefully there is coverage and good coverage of it. Last bit of news then. Uh, we mentioned the fact that the England Athletics Virtual Road Relay competition was taking place. That's now underway and we're going to bring you the results when they are finished. At the moment, at the time of recording, the fastest times are currently set by Woodford Green, um, Phil Norman, who's run a 23.02, and the Guildford and Godalming, um, Hannah Irwin, who's, who's run 26.56. Um, so that's the Virtual Road Relay competition. So we'll bring you all the results when they are in. So that brings us to the end of the, the race news and the race results. Looking ahead to this week on Wednesday, there should be some more indoor athletics to watch on the BBC, uh, this time in Poland. So keep an eye out for that. This week's interview, which is uh, Hayley Carruthers, as I've said, and I sat down with Hayley a couple of weeks ago. Um, I had a really good chat. She was really open, um, very honest. We covered a number of topics um, with Hayley, including her fairly phenomenal progression as a runner, as a relative latecomer to the sport. Spoke about her thoughts and plans in relation to the Olympic trials marathon race in Kew. She's actually recently announced that she's now a sponsored Hoka athlete. So we, we touched upon that a little bit. She's had a recent change in coaching setup 
which we spoke about, and just generally her, her future plans for the sport. So a really nice interview with Hayley. Thanks again to Hayley for, for giving us some time. Um, I think our listeners would really enjoy that. Uh, thanks very much for listening, guys. Um, appreciate you spending some time with us. We hope you enjoy the interview. If you enjoy it or if you've got any suggestions for interviews, just drop us a message on social media um, and we will be back in a couple of weeks' time. So enjoy the interview and we'll see you soon. Cheers, guys. See ya. Cheers, guys. Thank you. This week on track, we are delighted to be joined by an athlete who has been described as one of the biggest revelations in British elite distance running in years. Hayley Carruthers has impressive PBs from 1500 metres to the marathon distance with a best time of 2.32 over 26.2 miles. Hayley runs for Brat, has represented England over the marathon distance and has recently become a Hoka owner and a sponsored runner. Hayley came to a wider audience's attention in 2019 when competing at the London Marathon, finishing in a time of 2.34 Although Hayley is a relative latecomer to running, having only taken the sport up seriously in 2016, her progression in that time highlights her potential in the coming years. So we're delighted that she's agreed to take some time out to talk all things running with us here at Track. Hi Hayley, how are you? Yeah, not so bad, thank you. How are you? Very good, thank you. Thanks for taking some time out to talk to us today. Have you done your running for today or are you about to go out and train? Uh, so today I've just done a an easy spin on the bike actually. Um, so I'm just I'm spending a lot more time kind of mixing it up and just I found that I can get quite fit off the bike. So today I've just got um, an easy bike and some I'm going to do some gym work later. So in my home gym. <laughs> That's very good. Well, if you don't mind, Hayley, I'm going to throw a bit of a quote at you, um, which I read um, of yours, and it's about I suppose the current situation that we're all in. Um, mm-hmm. So the the quote sort of reads. I genuinely feel this time has been a blessing in disguise. It has allowed me to revisit the reasons why I love to run and has made me love the sport even more. Mm -hmm. So is that generally how you feel about, I suppose, this strange sort of lockdown period? Yeah, I think, I think like you say, when, when you're feeling strongly towards your own sport and things like that, it's, it's really easy to be really positive and, and all that sort of thing. But to actually mean it is, is a different matter altogether, really, because I think, when you you go through social media and things like that it's it's really easy just to put out how you want people to see you um but when I kind of write things on um social media or people ask me how I'm feeling I I generally am honest and and that is it has been a blessing in disguise and last year it was it was really difficult actually I was back to back with different injuries and niggles and things like that and it just made me realize how important running is to me. And I don't just run because it's something that I, I'm fairly good at. It's because it is part of me. And, and I really do. I do love the sport. So those niggles you mentioned, are you on the way mm-hmm. through those now? Or are those still something things you're battling with at the moment? Yeah, so actually, I am on the other end of it. Um, thank God. So <laughs> that's always a bonus. And they say it's I'm just being really careful now and think last year we, we just didn't get the return to run right it was just too much too soon and um it was it's one of the things you can only learn by going through it and um it certainly made me a lot more resilient than I thought I ever was so but yeah no injury free and just kind of playing it safe while there's not many races um just keeping a lot of cross training in and just building back up to normal mileage and 
and I actually haven't been happier with the training so it's it's quite nice because it makes you appreciate the running when the running's a lot less so well that was what I wanted to ask you I suppose are you someone obviously with the lockdown not been many races not many opportunities to go out and race Mm. are you someone who needs that race booked in for the motivation to train or are you quite happy just training for training sake without really having a race in mind yeah it's it's strange because at first you think oh I've got to do it because I love the process and I love the training and all of that and and it's all very good and well but then you get to a certain point and you're like right come on now like come fed up and um, you get really fit for for kind of what reason you can kind of think well why don't I just tick along and then kind of sharpen up when I need to and then you kind of think well I've been ticking along for a long time now when when do you sharpen up and and it is it becomes really difficult and it's kind of now obviously with the Olympic trials are in seven weeks that's kind of on the horizon but then you still you wake up every day and you think is it going to go ahead mm-hmm. it's strange because it's never a feeling you've had before of whether a race will get cancelled mm-hmm. um, and it's obviously been the last year that's all we've kind of been living through um so you kind of prepare for a race and we always say like you can't choose the race day and the the date is the date and now it's kind of well is the date the date (laughs) so it's it's just quite strange but now the trials are there it's kind of it gets you up in the morning and and it's kind of even if it doesn't go ahead you have to act like it is because otherwise you say you would drive yourself insane I think I'm right in saying your last race was the big half in March 2020. So that's yeah. probably going to be a year. A year, almost a year, well, over a year. Yeah, which is mm. probably, you've probably never gone a year without racing since you no. started. No. Well, apart from when I was like born, maybe. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, like um, the first 24 years of my life anyway. <laughs> you mentioned the, the Olympic trials being held at Kew Gardens. Yes. Um, I don't know if you saw much of it, but... We certainly spoke about it a little bit, that there was a bit of um, to do about the course itself and the size of the paths and it being held at queue. Have you mm-hmm. had much time to think about that? Do you engage in that or you just, that's the day, that's the race, that's the venue. So that's what we're doing. Yeah, I think very mixed, really. I think at first when it was kind of rumours of this might be the course, this might not be the course, um, then it was kind of, well, the course is the course. Um, it's going to have to be fast because 2.29 is a fast time and you obviously can't qualify if you don't have the time. Um, and then it was, we you do trust like your governing body to make the right decision. So I kind of think, well, we're all going to be in the same boat. They're surely not going to put it on like a 400 metre track and make us run a million laps. But <laughs> yeah, like I think... The, the course now seems really reasonable. Um, obviously, it's confirmed for March 26th, but we're just hoping it does go ahead on that day. Um, if it does get postponed, then it does. But I think the last year has definitely taught me you can't be angry with things you can't control. And the fact that if the race ever goes ahead, I think you've you got to take that opportunity and and just kind of enjoy it because you never know when it could be your first or your last race. So certainly didn't think the big half would be my last race last year. You mentioned 2.29 being the time. Yeah. So for an athlete like yourself who's going to be standing on that start line, hopefully, are you ready to go out and run that time? Or are you approaching it as I'm going to race the other athletes around me and the time will come from that? How do you approach that sort of type of race? Yeah, so I think um, if you'd have asked me 
maybe a year ago, I'd have given a very different answer as to would now. Um, I'd say a year ago I would have been, I want to be right at the front. I want to be there. I want to be racing for those top spots and I want to run a massive PB and, and whatever it costs, I'm going to be right up there, get right involved. And then obviously last year happened and COVID and injuries and a change of setup for me. I've changed my coach recently and I've had a, um, a few issues go on like with home life and all that sort of thing. And my priorities have just kind of changed that little bit. And it's kind of, yeah, I do want to race. Of course I do. Um, but it's kind of, I want to, if I'm going to race that trials, I want to be in the shape of my life to run the race of my life. And because there's been so much up and down and that sort of thing, I don't know whether that, if someone said to me, are you going to race a marathon in seven weeks? I'd be like, it sounds a bit mad, really. But then if someone says, are you going to race the Olympic trials in seven weeks? I'd be like, oh yeah, of course I am. Mm -hmm. So kind of, for me, it's, whether I do it or not, I'm still, I'm aiming to do it, but then I'm also like, I don't know what's going to happen in the next seven weeks. It's like, I'm in such a good place with my training and my, my new setup and things like that. I kind of think, well, the Commonwealth the next year, we've got Worlds, we've got Euros, we've got Paris 2024. And it's, why rush? And because so much has changed recently, I kind of wanted to start a complete fresh and maybe it's going to come around too soon. Um, and it's strange because if you'd have said this to me last year, I'd have been like, oh no, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. They've got to do it. It's the Olympic trials. And and now I'm kind of like, well, if I'm not 100% in it, that is going to find me out at mile 20. So <laughs> I'm going to make the decision in, in a couple of weeks and okay. kind of train for it now. And and if I feel in the right frame of mind and the world's a, an okay place to be in, because um, that, that's the worry, isn't it? It's, and it's on a Friday. We've got to book a day off work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we actually spoke about that. We were saying, what, are we going to be able to watch it? Or are we going to be at work? Why is it on a Friday? Yeah. yeah. And it's at like 7 a.m., 7.45 a.m. I was like, oh, my God, that's pretty much Thursday night. <laughs> well, Hayley, there's loads there. And I hope we're going to get into some of that. Um, over the next sort of 40 minutes or so. I just want to take a quick step back before we do though. Um, we like to give our listeners a bit of context. I'm sure lots of them know all about you anyway, but just to run through some of your PBs and these are all from Power of 10. So do jump in and, and sort of correct correct me if I've got any of these wrong, but just to give the listeners a bit of context. So 3000 meters, you've got your 926 in 2019 at Almar. 5K on the road, you've got 1553 at Telford. Mm-hmm. And then 5,000 on the track, 1557 at a BMC in Tipton. Mm -hmm. um, 10,000 meters, 3303, again, mm -hmm. 2019 at Redditch. 10K at Telford, 3318. Half marathon, the Great North Run, 7103. And the marathon, as we've mentioned, 23242 at Valencia. Cool. So a few things to point out, really. I suppose what I want to ask you is, out of those PBs, what are you, which ones of those are you perhaps most proud of? And which one do you think actually there's the most room for improvement or the one you want to take down the most, I suppose? Yeah, it's it's funny, actually. You're asking, like, I was, I was chatting to, to my, uh, my new coach about that over the weekend. And I was like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. And and it's like, well, to answer your question, my, the PB I'm probably most proud of is my 7103. Um 
because I feel like at that point um, that was the shape I was in and I was really pleased like we kind of guesstimated high 70 low 71 so that's kind of like in that ballpark and with the Great North Run it the because it is point to point it's obviously not a legal PB but the the conditions sometimes can be way against you or and it was a perfect day um I ran my little socks off <laughs> and uh, I, re- I it's one of my favorite races of all time but then like my 10k PB um I haven't actually properly raced one since then since 2018 when I ran the 33 18 um so that is definitely the one that needs revisiting because the only time I've ever ran a 10k um was in the middle of training as a kind of a, a threshold run right uh, and that sort of thing but then my marathon pb is definitely like i was in a lot better shape than i was to run those times and and i think it was just accumulation of training fatigue and that sort of thing that when i got to the race i wasn't quite as sharp as i wanted to be mm-hmm. uh, obviously not blame, blaming anyone or it was just the way it was i just woke up and it just wasn't wasn't quite right so yeah this year i think if races go ahead, I'm going to hopefully um, rewrite them all. <laughs> Sounds good. A lot of them, I think all of them bar one there were in 2019. So that was mm. a really sort of fruitful year for you. Was that just an accumulation of the the sort of the relatively few years build up to that, do you think? Was yeah. Special uh, about 2019? Yeah, no, I think it was just general natural progression, um, just putting more training load in. And to be honest, the majority of the races I ran in 2019, I wasn't happy with. Um, it was kind of, I was pleased because they were PBs, but it was kind of, you don't always have to be pleased with, because I thought oh, I could have gone faster. And, but there was always something on that race day where I just didn't quite feel right. Or, um, and I think I was, it was just, maybe I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to like perform on the day. And, but there was just something that I always thought, oh, that's not what I thought. But then in the big half 2020, I was probably in 69, the very low 70 shape. Um, And again, it it just wasn't the right day. And it was really strange. But when I finished, uh, my coach at the time said to me, um, I was really surprised. And I was like, honestly, that was 100%. And and sometimes if you know you give 100%, you can't be disappointed. So even got to the point I was like well did my best <laughs> um are there any races that you've you've raced that perhaps aren't pbs but you were really pleased with really proud of that stand out in your mind as a really good day really good performance um I think it was a pb at the time um but it was definitely the race where I just felt brilliant I felt like I was flying I it was strange because it was a marathon where I, I did run a negative split, but it was kind of, it felt a lot easier than it should have done. So it was when I ran Toronto marathon in 2018. So it's my first England best. And I think I was just floating on air. I was just thinking I'm representing England and, and it was just such an honor. And I remember running around and waving at my mum and dad and they were like, concentrate. And I was like, this is so much fun. And and it was an 11 minute PB at the time. I ran 2.36 and, and I was thinking, huh, how? Yeah. Like, and, it, and then since then, I feel like, oh, damn it. <laughs> now it gets really hard. 
those improvements become harder and harder, don't they? Those minutes. Oh, yeah. We always look at the, the first input on Power of 10 of our guests. And yours, um, Hayley, was in 2016, the Birmingham Half Marathon. And yeah. 95 minutes and 18 seconds. So oh, my God, that, that hurts so much. You remember that day? <laughs> yeah. I literally remember. I um I just I just moved to Birmingham at the time and um I was, I was sat in the, my house and my dad had come for the weekend and he was gonna come and watch my first race and um and he was like I had an energy gel in the cupboard and I was like oh I'm gonna take this on race day and my boyfriend was like what are you gonna take a gel like and you've never had I was like oh no it's all right it's all right and then I looked at it and it went off about eight months ago and I was like oh my god what am I gonna do so I was having this like mad panic and then we were like driving around all these shops on Saturday night trying to find an energy gel because I thought this was going to be the lifesaver. Obviously it was, everything was shut. Um, so I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to like run really badly and and that sort of thing. And then um, one of my friends said that he, uh, well, it was one of my boyfriend's friends. He was like, oh, I'll run with you because I didn't have a watch. Yeah. So it was like, I don't know what sort of time we'll run. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I was like, oh, I want to run like around like 145 or something like that. Um, and he was like, oh, okay, no worries. Like I can run that. And he was going to kind of run with me. And then he stopped with cram three miles in. <laughs> Take my watch. And I was like, no, no, it's okay. I'll just run. And um, literally like I ran like 135, but I just thought, oh my God, I feel like my legs are going to rip in half. Oh man, I was, I don't think I was ready to run a half marathon. But then like I, fin- I crossed the finish line and I said to my dad, I was like, I don't know how people run marathons. I said, I'll do that twice. And he was like, oh, it's all right. And I was like, I'm done now. <laughs> I thought a few years and it's all, it's all changed. Yeah, definitely. I'll always remember that though, because we've got a video of my dad and um, he's like yelling like, go Hayley on the side. And his voice like breaks and we all like, take the mick out of him for it. <laughs> it's so funny. Also um, noticing on your power of 10, lots of park runs in there. Um, yeah. Again, you said that you sort of, you love park run, you love the atmosphere, you love sort of meeting up with people, going out for coffee and cake afterwards. Something you're looking forward to getting back to once it's over. Oh my God. Yeah. Like it's literally like, I can't even, I've got no words and I very rarely have no words. Um, but it's just the whole like the camaraderie and the kind of the park runs for everyone and there's so many so it's like you go away for the weekend and I'm like oh park run and my wife's like no <laughs> I'm like okay <laughs> so but yeah like I, I, I really do love it and I find that the community is like nothing else but the first part run back oh my god I think I might volunteer I think there'll be far too many people <laughs> well Hayley you sort of mentioned that 2016 Birmingham um, half has perhaps been your first entry on power of 10 first half marathon so if we if I rewind a bit more were you mm-hmm. always sporty as a youngster? We said running sort of got, you got into it about 2016, maybe. Mm-hmm. About before that, were you playing sport? Were you active? What was the story there? So I've, I've never been like, uh, like a slug, so to speak. I've never been like <laughs> lazy or anything like that. But when I was as young, I always played netball and hockey and um, like a lot of team sports. But I say I never really ran. Like my parents used to, I'm definitely going to regret saying this, but my parents used to always call me a supercharged penguin. And I have no idea why. I have no idea where it came from. Um, but they would just said, you just don't stop. And I was like, no, no. And like, I just had no fear of anything. I was always climbing on stuff and like bounding off things. And like, I was never like sat still. And we always used to go hiking at the weekends and camping. And I was, I was always outdoors. Um, 
but I say I never and I got into the gym like I used to start I went to like hip classes and that sort of thing about maybe 2014 like when I met my boyfriend and he he went to the gym and he trained so I was like oh I'll come to the gym with you and and then we just kind of got into it from there and I remember um one of the exercises was like a shuttle run and um it was like well, it was probably a bit more than a shuttle actually it's probably about 500 meters around this like block and um everyone was like oh Haley, you go and do the run bit and I was like why and they were like because you never look out of breath and I was like well, I'm not running very quickly <laughs> everyone was like yeah but it's still you're still going and doing like eight laps and I was like okay so then we used to do like team events and I was like well I'll do the running then I was like because no one else wants to do it so then I was just like oh come on another lap and and that sort of thing and it was it was just I just really enjoyed it and then um my basically someone that I know was like oh I've run 5k so I was like okay I could do that and I definitely like went off too hard and ran a mile and then walked back so <laughs> yeah that's where it started anyway so what was the switch then for when you started taking it a bit more seriously perhaps looking into clubs or coaches or was that a very gradual process as well um I think well I was when I did so I did the Birmingham half 2016 and then yeah like a week later I signed up for Manchester Marathon once my hamstrings had come back because obviously that's a logical thing to do um so I did Manchester Marathon um in 322 in 2017 and um I was like, oh my God, that was the best day ever. And and it was strange because what made me want to carry on was the look on my mom and dad's face. And as I always say this now, like I've never seen my mom so proud. It was like, even now, like it sends my heart, like, and it was just so lovely. And I thought, if I can do that by doing something that easy, I was like, well, why not? <laughs> and then it kind of started from there. I was like, oh, I can make my parents proud. And then it was more about, well, what could I do? And then I remember um, putting on like my Instagram and um, I was like, oh, does anyone know like a coach around Birmingham um, that can help me out? And then like, that's how I found like my first coach. And um, he said, why don't you join a club? So I joined Rotherham Harriers because he was affiliated with them. And, um, and then he just kind of helped me get from 322 down to 236. So it worked quite well the, the first however long 18 months yeah okay so let's let's run through those then if you don't mind have a look at your marathon progression so as you said 2017 you ran 322 in manchester your yep. second marathon i believe was at london in 2018 you ran 247 yeah right? yeah mm -hmm. then went to, to toronto as you've mentioned representing england wearing your, your first england vest in 236 as you said mm -hmm. 233.59 at 2019, following year at London. I think there's probably yep. lots of people who remember yep. from then. Uh, <laughs> then I'm right thinking, uh, <laughs> uh, started Frankfurt, but DNF in October 2019, yep. but then went back on it quite quickly and jumped into Valencia in that December and yeah. ran 32.42, which was your latest and your, your PB. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So that's a pretty phenomenal progression in, in sort of getting those times down I mean, as we've said it always gets more difficult to shave those minutes off the, the quicker you get how far do you see yourself going what do you have ultimate goals do you have a number written down somewhere that you feel like you can run the marathon yeah I think I think like well in what was it 2019 I was probably in 
229 shape coming into the London Marathon um, when I had a little bit of a trip. Um, <laughs> and then kind of that year, I was like I was saying that the races, they, they didn't seem to pan out in, in my favour at all. Um, so even though I was I was obviously pleased with Valencia in 232, it was it wasn't the sort of shape I, I thought I was in. And it was really strange. We did like uh, lactate threshold tests and stuff. And it, and it basically said I was in a lot better shape than that. And I knew that there just something wasn't quite right. And then say the following year, I ended up with quite a few injuries anyway. So I never got to, to run quicker, but going into if London would have happened in 2020, like it was, I was honestly, I'd put together the best block I had. And, but then it's kind of what I've had the same sort of race. And I think what the last year has taught me that, um, you can prepare and prepare and prepare, but if you're not, if the race doesn't happen, you can you can only give a hundred percent, and and then you never know when the next race is going to be. So, so representing England then, Toronto mm-hmm. in 2018, and I believe you had an England best at Frankfurt as well. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So about and and what was your sort of emotions that, about wearing that England vest? What was oh, it was yeah so like when I got in Toronto it was just an absolute elation and I'd never thought I'd run for England and and it was just such a moment where I was just so proud and my family came over to Toronto they had an absolute blast um and then when I got my second one um again my family all came over and and it was I was I wasn't really at that week of the marathon like I don't know I to be honest I'm not sure I should have started um I just hadn't felt well the whole week and I just felt really drained and exhausted and and it's kind of with the taper you don't know whether it is actually exhaustion or it's just the taper um but I, I think I actually was quite run down and just a bit under the weather um because then like the couple of weeks after that I was really like I wasn't I wasn't training well and I was just really not great to be honest so um looking back like there was a lot of things I would change now um, but I was I was none the wiser at the time, so it was kind of you just keep chasing and chasing and chasing, and and now my mindset's very much different. Of you can't take anything for granted, and and I'd give anything now for an, an England vest just to to line up on the star line. So, well, with that in mind, somewhat, what are your thoughts? You, you, you sort of mentioned that the postponement of the Olympics might have done you a favor, mm. potentially gives you an extra year of sort of running in the legs. How would you yeah. feel towards the Olympics at the moment? I know you sort of mentioned it a little bit at the start regarding the Olympic trials. What what are your emotions around the Olympics at the moment? Yeah, it's it's quite strange because it's like the Olympics is the Olympics. It's the, the biggest sporting event of every four years. And and it's one of those things that I'll always aspire to be an Olympian. But I think with the, the lack of experience at, at elite level and things like that and having not raced since March last year, I think to to run an Olympic trial in seven weeks is quite a high goal, to be honest. And if I do it, I'll think I'll, like I said, I'll decide in a few weeks time, just see how the training's going and how the new setup's working. And but my main goals really now are say to run a fast autumn marathon, um, get my times down generally over the year and then aim for Commonwealth Games next year. And in a home home games is like one of the things that, in, the, in your lifetime when does that happen mm. um and then obviously the world's in the euros next year and there's there's so much going on that I almost don't want to rush the process now like I feel in a better place than I have in a very long time the the training's enjoyable and the I'm waking up with a smile on my face and and it's just 
we're in the middle of a pandemic and it's just I actually am really enjoying getting my head down working hard for that prospect of one day there'll be a race and I'll be I'll be ready to to race it but say trials in seven weeks I want to be there I want to be at the front given the race of my life and I don't know whether that is something that I'm mentally ready for yet and and that's okay like and if you'd have asked me say a year ago I'd have been like of course I'm doing it of course I'm doing it there's no question about it like I've got to do it whereas now I'm like well if you're not ready it's going to find you out Commonwealth Birmingham as you said 2022 being able to run the streets of Birmingham as you said home games if, if that happens that must be something that you're really but it must be in the back of your mind well to run the Commonwealth Games and sleep in my own bed <laughs> what could be better no um yeah like I was actually I was speaking to my boyfriend about it over the weekend and he's like yeah but you're not from Birmingham like you don't know how much this is like the best thing ever and I'm like yeah but I still live here like and he's like yeah but no it's not the same as it is for you as it is for me and I was like yeah, but it's still quite cool. And it's like, oh, whatever. <laughs> but honestly, like, it would be amazing to make that team. And that's generally, like, what my main goal is. And I feel like I'll be starting to get into my peak in the next few years. And there's just, I just absolutely love the sport. And if anything puts extra pressure on me, I'm kind of like, no, it's, you're doing it. It's, it's a glorified hobby at the end of the day. And, and it's, it's something that I absolutely love and just happen to be okay at and and it's there's no need to put extra pressure on you just because you might run olympic trial or you might run a park run or it it's just running and it's taken me a long time to take that pressure off and maybe that's what i needed i needed a year of no races and just finding the enjoyment again so yeah i don't i don't have any regrets at all We've seen that you've recently become a Hoka sponsored athlete, or at least Hoka are, are helping you out. We've spoken to a few um, yeah. athletes actually on this podcast. So we've spoken to Jenny Nesbitt, Joe Wilkinson, uh-huh. Aaron Scott, all who get some support from from Hoka. So how did that come about for you? How do you think that will help going forward? How do you like the shoes and and the and yeah. the how's it all going? Yeah, no, so, so I'm really lucky to say I'm fully sponsored by by Hoka now. So um, that's it's obviously it's something I've not dreamt of that should be in a sponsored athlete. And, and it was, I was hoping to go work part-time this year um, to drop my hours, to focus a bit more on it, but I'm kind of like, well, <laughs> there's no races to kind of make up the, the loss of like the pay from work and things like that, or having needing the time off to go to training camps because you can't go anywhere. Or so I've kind of decided that I'm just going to carry on working full-time uh, and training full-time as much as, I'm tired most of the time. Mm-hmm. It's it seems the sensible option because I still have a mortgage to pay at the moment. But but yeah, like Hoka have been absolutely brilliant and they've supported me all through um, like all through last year. Um, I've only my contract only started first uh, of January this year, um, but they've been really brilliant and so supportive. Um, and then say the shoes. What can I say? Like it's strange because everyone's like, do you actually mean that? <laughs> actually do like because it's I'm not gonna kind of fake it like and say they're the best shoes ever but they actually are for me the the brand is they're very natural shoes and I found like with previous shoes I've worn mentioning no names that the platform's too high and I kept turning my ankles or um and I just felt unstable and I found that 
I got a lot of weaknesses from wearing them a lot that I didn't really want to end up getting. Mm-hmm. So things like the Rocket X and like the, they're a much na- more natural shoe. Mm-hmm. So for me, they, they work a lot better. And I think the Clifton 7s are the best shoes ever invented. Right. They actually just, they last forever. <laughs> and they're so cushioned and, and really comfy. And, and yeah, just, I just think as a brand, they're, they're really supportive of the athlete. Um, and obviously, like, I can't go into details about like, the contract and stuff, but it is, it is all for the athlete. And they do honestly want the best for you. They seem mm-hmm. to be building a really nice sort of platform, even within the sort of UK, British sort of elite club, high level athlete. As I said, we've we mm-hmm. so few athletes, but every year you seem to see a few more people mm-hmm. either running in Hoka or a few more athletes sponsored by, by Hoka. I think they're just a, a brand that seem to be on the right progression at the moment, don't they? Yeah, definitely. And I think they're, they're, in, and they're investing a lot of money in athletes and it's, it's really showing because say there is a lot more people wearing Hoka now and say a few years ago and not many people may have may have heard of them but now it's kind of they're very very up and coming and they are they're they're up there with the carbon plate so let's move on um Hayley you've mentioned a couple of times you got uh you just changed your coaching setup I'm right in thinking Luke Gunn at Birmingham University is now the your your new coach is that right yeah, no, that is correct. So as of just only the last month or so. So okay, and you had Gary Warhurst before, I believe, and then mm-hmm. Dan Robinson up to uh, the last few months, I suppose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the, um, I suppose, motivation in the change, or what you're excited in, sort of looking ahead to as well with Luke now, your your coach. Yeah, I think I think it is really exciting, like for the the future, and say to to just kind of have a new setup and a new start after such a bumpy year last year, and I think sometimes you can you can get so caught up in the ways that maybe weren't working for you and um it's obviously there's no hard feelings like with coaching athlete relationships sometimes they you do you do just move on and and kind of a lot of people have asked like oh what happened or but generally it was just a natural progression um there's no hard feelings and say it was we're still friends so um but yeah like I think I just needed a bit of change after a lot of return to run-ins that didn't work out. And you do kind of, it builds kind of a, a difficult relationship. And a lot of athletes I've spoken to about when they've been had injuries and things like that, they they found it very difficult as the coach and athlete relationship to kind of get through it when it's kind of not really worked. And, and it's okay. Like I'm, I'm not angry or, um, but I am just, I'm just really excited for a new start and, really enjoying the training and and Luke's been absolutely fantastic and he's very all for happiness first and the athlete makes their decisions and I can advise you and and um I remember I was chatting to him on the weekend I was like just let me know which ones to do and he went no you're going to choose I was like oh okay (laughs) and like it's really nice having that kind of input where before I felt like I've never really had um as much of a say um because I didn't have much experience but now I feel like I've got a lot more experience where I know what I enjoy and what is too much or not enough or uh, I know how to recover better. Um, and just generally like generally feel like I've got a better understanding of the, the running world, really. And and Luke, he's, he's just brilliant and he's been so supportive and um, he's very much for happiness first. And I'm all for that. So <laughs> what sort of athlete are you to coach, would you say? 
it's mad because when I said to Luke, I was like, I'm really hard to coach. And he was like, why? And I was like, um, I don't know. <laughs> but you always think you're difficult. And, and I think like, I think I'm difficult because I ask a lot of questions um, because I want to know why I'm doing it. Not so much because I'm not going to do it, more so because I want to know how that's going to benefit me either today or tomorrow or in the future. And then Luke was kind of saying, I'd love you to ask questions. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'm not that difficult then. But it's kind of, um, I, I used to be really bad at resting, whereas now I'm like, cool, <laughs> rest brilliant. It means I can catch up with everything I've not done this week. And like, I don't think I'm difficult to coach. I really hope Luke doesn't listen to this. He's like, oh my God, this has been the worst month of my life. Um, but I think... I generally, I do exactly as I'm told, almost a bit too much. Like I remember we put on like my training peaks, um, like a 30 minute run and it came up with like a set pace. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't even look at the pace. And he was like, uh, okay. I was like, it was just a timed run. I was like, oh, okay, that's all right then. Cause I didn't look. <laughs> so like, but yeah, like if someone says run this pace for this distance, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. And I really don't mind like almost like a little puppet on a string <laughs> but yeah like now I'm kind of asking a lot more questions so I'm learning a lot more about the sport and what about training partners or are you very much solo sessions I know um obviously an affiliation with team marathon road as well so so how yeah. do you like doing your sessions are you someone who just likes to go and do it on your own or do you like the group environment what what's your sort of thoughts on that yeah, so it's it's strange, I think, because the last year, like, we haven't really been able to do anything apart from, like, a tiny little, little bit of hope we got around August, September time. And then it was like, oh, here's what you can have. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, I would love to train. Like, I'd love to train more with a group. Um, but obviously, at the moment, like, everything is just solo or with one other person. Um, but I definitely, one of my goals for this year is to train more in groups and kind of... I definitely want to get down to the uni track a lot more and train with the lads there and well, kind of wave them off into the distance basically. Um, and like the brat um, people as well, they're there on like Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I just kind of want to experience running for what it is now. And I feel like last year and like the year before really, it was always very much one-to-one and, and now I'm really want to get back in a big group and like share the workload and, it's it, honestly it's just so exciting for when we actually get back to normal I just I can't wait so this podcast is I suppose we wanted to bring to light sort of a bit more the UK running club scene I suppose so I, we asked I guess what what are your thoughts on how the UK running club scene is at the moment do you see areas that need improvement um, do you think it's a, a strong place to be or how do you how do you see the UK running club scene yeah I think I think it's quite a, it's quite a difficult at the moment, isn't it? Because obviously we can't ever really train at a club or, but I do think like, especially around Birmingham, I think there's quite a lot of good clubs that you can be associated with. There's a lot of group trainings that you can get involved with. And, and it's kind of, because I've never really worked my way up from a junior to a senior, it's, it's quite difficult for me to say this club is kind of the best way you, you kind of want to progress through or, um, so because I recently changed to Brat and they've got such a great like a great group and they're all there there's no egos and they all turn up work hard and keep showing up and I honestly I admire them and and it's 
it's brilliant to just to be involved with a club like that and when we can actually get back to club nights it would be <laughs> pretty good to to just be back there so a lot of debate going on at the moment I wonder if you've got a strong opinion either way about the equalizing of the cross-country distance between males and females do you have any sort of feeling either way about that yeah it's it's quite strange isn't it because um there's obviously been a lot going on about it on twitter and that sort of thing and I, and I do kind of for me I've never really done cross-country I think I've done two races and one of them I wouldn't run I wore trail shoes so I wouldn't think it was really cross-country so it's kind of I actually quite like seeing the debate unfold um so I think I'm quite part like impartial towards it um just because of obviously I'd prefer it to be longer because I'm an endurance runner if you gave me a, a 1k cross country there's no way I'd be way up there at the front because I, I couldn't drop a 455 mile um so obviously like a mile's longer than okay either way you know what I mean short distance not for me um so I'd love them to make it longer but a personal preference um but I do think things with say you with the juniors and that sort of thing you we don't they don't need to be running that far um at that age and it's kind of like it works as it is roughly but then it's also like why isn't it equal in some way shape or form it may not have to be distance but at least it be an equal challenge for both Mm -hmm. because us women pretty strong to be fair like and whether it is like three mile six mile eight mile like the distance is the distance so I certainly wouldn't say, oh, that race is 10K. That's not far enough. I'm not doing it or, and that sort of thing. So I do quite like seeing the debate unfold. Um, I think it is really interesting to hear everyone's different points of view. Um, But yeah, cross country is definitely something that I need to get a bit more involved in anyway. So this is definitely helping my insight. (laughs) Good stuff. What would your advice be to a young athlete um, who has a passion for athletics? Just enjoy the journey. Like, don't put any pressure on yourself as a youngster. Um, times don't mean as much as as you actually think. Um, at the time, it's kind of, you want to make sure that your progression from a junior to senior is healthy and a happy sort of build-up because your senior career is a lot longer. Um, so I'd just say, enjoy your junior level while there's absolutely no pressure and then make sure when you get to senior, you are strong, robust and a healthy individual. So, <laughs> so Hayley, we'll just finish off with some quick fire questions then. If you could go for a run with any athlete, dead or alive, and it doesn't have to be a runner, who would it be? Does it have to be someone famous? No, no, any any athlete. Because this is going to sound really like pants, but my two best friends, <laughs> Molly and Jay, <laughs> I want to go for a run with them. Okay. <laughs> Molly and well, obviously Molly lives in South Birmingham and Jen's obviously in Wales so is that Molly that would... and Jen Nesbitt yes okay. yeah so okay. if we could run and then go for brunch and then have a chill and um, that would be really lovely sounds good to me if you could only choose... <laughs> if you could only choose one race a year to compete in which one would you choose mm. that's not a distance that's a particular race which one would you choose Great North Run. Yeah. I don't even know why. Like, I just love it. I was talking to someone about it the other day and I was like, it's just so much fun. I said, the course isn't that great. (laughs) I said, it's just a straight line. You go around some roundabouts. I said, but the course, like the whole weekend, like the great, like 
the Great North Run and like the Great Run Company, they're just so brilliant and it's so well organized and you don't even have, you literally don't lift a finger and it's, it's fantastic. There's a lot of history in the run as well, isn't there? Yeah. So I've only, I've only done it twice, but like I was, that was the one I was most sad to miss last year. Okay. Hopefully, hopefully sometime soon you get back on the streets. Um, Do you have a favorite session and a least favorite session? Um, Favorite session is anything with a rep longer than 10 minutes. Um, so any sort of tempo threshold, um, worst session is anything less than a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, that just anything that's, say if you gave me like 12 times a minute, I'd be like, I'm sick. No. (laughs) Um, but then if you're like, oh, here's a, an hour threshold or an hour tempo, I'd be like, oh my God, I can't wait. So, but I really want to do more hills. Like I've never really done much hill work. Um, and I find that they put everyone on a very even keel, apart from one guy that does train at Brat. And it's like, on the flat, it's like, you're quite even. And then you get up the hill and you're like, what? It's like, run vertical. Literally impressive. I think I'm right in saying you're a big lover of books. You love to read. So yeah. do you have a recommendation um, of a, your, I suppose, a favorite oh. book? Oh gosh, that's difficult. So I've read, I think, five books so far this year so um oh no yeah so i'm on five and a half um on the first of feb at the moment (laughs) so yeah i'm doing quite well but i always set myself challenges um to how many books i can read a year and uh, my dad was like why do you set your goals so low and i was like well i don't want to let myself down and he's like yeah but you've only set 15 you're already on six (laughs) yeah well at least it's a (laughs) win-win so i'm reading a thriller at the moment actually called behind her eyes uh, which molly recommended to me actually um because i've just read a book um by cj tudor and it was absolutely frightening and kind of book where i was i was reading through it and i was like i can't put it down because i'm too scared to go to bed like i need to know if she's alive and, and all this sort of thing but um but then i am reading all the harry potters again at the same time okay so harry potter found them yeah definitely and um I did actually read a book um, last year by Bill Bryson, who generally writes um, comedy books. Um, and he wrote a book called The Body. Um, and it was just so well written and so lighthearted. And it was so informative, but just such an easy read. Um, so I kind of think that I just like any, I'd like anything really. But I did read a book actually called Say, 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 and it was terrible. But I got I had to get to the end of it because I was like, I just need this to be over. Netflix recommendation or TV, film, anything you're into? Actually, I'm watching, re-watching Breaking Bad. I know that's like 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> I actually never watched it. And um, my boyfriend's watched it before, so we're kind of re-watching it. And um, I'm like so into it. But like he keeps telling me, he's like, Walter White reminds me of your dad. And I was like, he's <laughs> my dad? And he's like, oh, you might, you might be cooking the meth lab. And I was like, you can't say that. <laughs> no so yeah like every time I watch it I just keep laughing because now I'm imagining like my dad's doing all this. it makes it that bit more entertaining <laughs> last one Hayley and I think I know the answer to this one um track road or country road <laughs> easy easiest question ever <laughs> Hayley where can people find you if they want to follow along on on things like social media your Instagram I know anything else yeah uh so Instagram is Hayley Carruthers 26.2 and 
Twitter is, I think, hcruthers26, so not so um, discreet, I suppose. Um, but yeah, that's me. <laughs> okay. Listen, Hayley, thank you so much for giving up um, a bit of time. That's, that's really, um, really kind of you. Really enjoyed talking to you. I know our listeners will really love to hear that. We wish you all the best going forward and, and hopefully some races get back soon and, and we hope to see you running well again soon. Thank you so much. And it's been an absolute pleasure to chat. Thanks, Hayley. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.